for just a few moments, and I promise you I will not keep you long. Um, It's kind of hard to follow up what we've already experienced, but if I didn't feel like the Lord has spoken to me, I I would just let you go home. But I do believe the Lord has something to say that would confirm what He's already done. And I would pray that you would open your heart to it. First Kings chapter 19. I want to read verse number 9. First Kings chapter 19 and verse number 9. We pick up on the narrative of the events of Elijah's life. And this is how it reads. And he, speaking of Elijah, came thither unto a cave and lodged there. Really, that word is misleading. It really should say he hid there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, even in his hiding, and said unto him, What? Doest thou hear, Elijah? You know, there's certain ways of reading a question that bring out the emphasis of what God was actually saying. When you read it black and white, sometimes it's hard. One of them's not in bold print, so it just read together, What doest thou hear, Elijah? But it was more than just a generic question. The emphasis was on here. What doest thou here, Elijah? God was not just questioning where he was at, but the place that he was at. And so for a few moments, just let me talk to you out of my heart. I don't even have two or three points to make. I only have one thing that I want to get through to you. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. As most of you are aware, life is a journey. A journey that often has some very strange and unexpected things about it. How we get where we are in life is a story all in itself. If I were to take one person out of this audience today and ask us to, or ask you to tell us where you are, it would involve a journey. A journey with some things that were understandable and a lot that was not. Who of us could have traced the path that life would lead us on and bring us to where we are today? Who of us could imagine that we would be where we are right now? I dare say that none of us have the courage to stand up and say, I I knew I would be here at this place at this time in my life. Who could know life would come with so many twists and turns to it? so many ups and downs, sickness, bereavements, crushed hopes, bitter disappointments, frustrations, desires that are thwarted, frustrated dreams, 
the stings and arrows from quarters that are least expected. And yet here we are. I have come to understand this about my life, that my inner life, my spiritual man, my spirit man, my spirit person is very sensitive to the outward circumstances of my life. And those can change as life changes very quickly. You can be going along and everything be working and everything be clicking and you can have a good job and a good house and drive a great car and have, a, have not a worry in, in, in the world. And yet in a moment's time, all of that can turn upside down. And human character is more complex than any of us imagine because its elements are so diverse and what makes us who we are are so varied that sometimes... We do not understand all that is going on in our own life. Sometimes life is so contradictory that only God could fairly judge it. That's why I think it's important that as individuals that we are not quick to judge other people. That when we look across the aisle or we look down the, the road that we see somebody that's not doing so well that we are careful how we judge them. Because we don't know what has happened that has brought them to where they are. We don't know all of the ins and outs of life. And so I think for all of us, it is something that we need to be mindful of. That we need to be careful how we judge what we see in other people. When I come to look at you, I expect greater progress than I see sometimes. But when I look at myself, I look at myself differently because of all of the extenuating circumstances that have gone into helping me get where I am. Some of the things that I've done that were good, some of them were not so good. Many decisions that I've made in life were the right ones, but I would dare say we would all admit we've all made some decisions that when we went back, or when we looked back, we wondered, what in the world were we thinking? Am I talking to anybody here this morning? How strange to find a man of this caliber in the place that we find him. If I was going to pick out a row of people and say that one, I, I, yeah, I could see them there. I would not have picked Elijah by any stretch of the imagination after all the miracles and the teachings and the service and his prayers. My Lord, his prayers alone had done such a powerful work in Israel and they had made such a tremendous impact. How strange it is to find a man like Elijah in the place where he was. Elijah was not there because he lacked courage. He was not there because he was a coward. He was not there because he lacked knowledge or understanding. He was not there because of really poor decisions on his part in the past. He was there because the Bible describes him as a man of like passion as we are. So he failed in life, in the strangest place, in the place where he was strongest, he failed. 
And so it is for many of us that when we look back over life and we see the variable things that have gone into making us what we are, those moments when we seem to have failed the greatest were in times in areas where we should have been the strongest. At this stage in his life, it was a ball of contradiction. Never was contradiction more complete than in Elijah. One day he leads a whole nation in repentance and turning to God, and the very next day he is fleeing for his life from one who had threatened him, and it seems that all of the previous things in his life had been thrown away in that foolish moment, in that weak moment. He fled from death. He was threatened by a woman that he would die. But then he turned and prayed to die. What a contradiction. That you would run from it and then you pray for it. I don't understand it. Neither can you. But that's life. And some of us are there right now. We can learn from this man's crisis and his life a lesson that we are all susceptible to human weakness. And none of us, I don't care how spiritual you are, are beyond the reach of life's uncertainty. And so it is for Elijah. On Carmel, he might have thought himself invincible, but in Horeb, he was an unmitigated coward. The better transition in his life was so stark, and yet he was neither of those. He was neither invincible nor was he a coward. The variety of moods that a human can go through and experience in life cannot be what he is judged by because his character is far more than the present circumstance that he finds himself in. You are not an infidel because you pass through a phase of doubt in your life. And you are not lost because you have a question in your mind about the mercy and the grace of God. You are not a reprobate because you're deeply aware of your human failings. That's life and that is the admission of someone who has lived on both extremes of life. He has suffered a grievous disappointment. I don't know. I am not a psychologist. I have read as much as I know to read, and I've tried to study the human element. But I have yet to understand all that disappointment can do in the human mind, how it can affect the mind, how it can work on faith or deteriorate a person's faith. Who can rightly know how disappointment will affect them? Who can know even at the stage of life that they are in how disappointment could determine the outcome of their life? You see, there are a lot of things that if you had experienced them in your 20s that you're experiencing them now, they would have just been a bump in the road. But you're at a different juncture in life this morning, and you're not 20 anymore. Some of you are far past that. And now at this stage in life, dealing with the uncertainty and dealing with the unknown 
and the disappointments that life has brought to you has affected you and your mind and your thinking. And Elijah had allowed himself to fall into a state of mind that had brought many unwanted elements into his life. One of them was the fact that he was fleeing for his life. Another was the fact that he was praying for something that was beyond anybody comprehending he would want truly to happen. Let me die. I I don't feel like I can live anymore. Fear had come in. Doubt had come in. Uncertainty. And none of us are exempt from that. Who among us has not found their mind affected by what's going on in their life? And I don't know, maybe God just sent me to tell somebody this morning that what's going on in your mind and the war that's going on in your mind does not mean that you're backslid or you're a reprobate or you've lost out with God or that God has lost your address. It is nothing more than the human element of, uh, of, of not understanding the whole picture. He had suffered a disappointment. He had, it had not turned out the way he had envisioned it to turn out. He had perhaps just like you and I. I mean, who could have gone from Mount Carmel to getting a notice the next morning from Jezebel that I'm going to do to you what you did to the prophets if before this day is over? Who could have imagined the outcome of that? And yet in a moment of disappointment and disillusionment, he ran. And how many of us are running this morning? How many in this place that if the truth were known, that you're just dodging the bullets, you're just trying to get by because you don't understand? He had allowed himself to fall into a state of mind that had brought many unwanted guests to his life. And I am talking to somebody here today that the same thing has happened to you. You have questioned more about God in the last day or two than you've ever questioned about God. You've had more things that you don't understand about life over the last short while than you've ever had in your entire existence. You would have never entertained some of the thoughts that have crossed your mind. And you come into this service today beaten down by your own mind. Beaten down by the very thoughts that are in your heart right now. And the coldness that is in your heart. He was there because he was discouraged. And you can get in some pretty low places when you are discouraged. And you can get into some pretty low places when you are disillusioned with man and men and things and the church and God and people. Despondent souls can surmise great evils in their life. And now here this great man is. I I cannot, I can't even get my mind around. I guess that's why I've struggled trying to even preach this morning because I cannot even imagine A man of this caliber, a man like Elijah, we're not talking about your average run-of-the-mill saint. 
You're not talking about somebody that just come to church on Sunday and, and the rest of the week in their life they forget about God. We're talking about a prophet of God. We're talking about a man who heard from God, who received revelation from God, and to see him now in a cave hiding for his life seems unthinkable. And yet that's where he was. He was hiding. I don't know what he's trying to get away from. Maybe he's trying to get away from what all's going on in his own mind. Or maybe he's trying to get away from the wounds and the hurts in his own heart. But there he was in that cave. I love the way God works on people when they're in a cave. I love the mercies of God that are shown when men are weak. God doesn't come barreling in with all bluster He doesn't come in with a flash and a show of power, although he did show him those things in a moment. When he first came, he just came with a question. Elijah, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be someplace, but it's not here. I don't know, maybe it was just God's unique way of trying to get through to Elijah. And it took him two times to get through to him. Because he asked him the question and Elijah did what a lot of us do. He started into the story of his life. He goes into telling God all the things that God already knows. I'm the only prophet left. Everybody else has forsaken you. And so here I am, I'm weary of life, and God just goes through this demonstration of His power. He comes, the wind, the lightning, all of that, the rumbling, the earthquake, and then the still small voice. And it wasn't until Elisha heard the still small voice of God that he realized what was going on. And so God comes back the second time, Elijah What are you doing here? And then he doesn't even wait for an answer. He gives him the solution. The solution is you don't belong here. And you can't do the work that I've called you to do where you're at right now. It's time for you to get out of this cave and get back to the city where I've called you. I'm not here to rebuke anybody this morning and I'm not here to tell you that you're weak and I'm not here to call into question your past service for God or your lack of courage or your boldness or whatever else. I just want to do what God did for Elijah. He didn't argue with him. He didn't debate him. He simply reminded him, Elijah, there is still work to do And there is still work for you to do. And you cannot do the work that I have for you in this cave. It's time to come out of your cave. There are some of you sitting here this morning that have retreated into your place because of the events and circumstances of your life. And you didn't have any control over a lot of the things that's happened. But where you are right now, you are because you chose to go there. And sometimes that can be the very thing that hangs us up and makes us fearful to even move or ask God. But God knows me. And He knows the weakness of my human heart. And so He doesn't come to rebuke me. He doesn't come to belittle me. He doesn't come 
to tell me that none of that matters or it's not important. He doesn't come to tell me that those things were just my imagination. They weren't as bad as I thought they were. He simply comes to remind me, Elijah, you cannot do what I've called you to do in this cave. It's time for you to get out of your cave. And I have come this morning with a simple, single thought to give you. And it's time for some of you to get out of the cave that you've been hiding in because you cannot do the work of God that He has called you to do hiding somewhere in a cave. I can't help what's happened. I don't want to go back and undo what's happened. I just want to tell you that there's a future for you. And God said it's not over with for you. There's still work for you to do. There's somebody for you to anoint. As a matter of fact, Elijah, there's a man that's waiting for your mantle to fall across his life because he's going to be so moved by that, he's going to follow you and desire a double portion of what you have. And you can't do that work where you're at right now. The reason some of you are frustrated is because you're trying to operate as normal in a cave. And you just can't do it. You're trying to operate like nothing has changed. And you put on that pretty smile and you come to church. You get all dressed up and duded up. And and you come in. You shake hands. You glad hand. You say all the right things while all the time on the inside there is this war going on in your mind. There's a war going on with what you believe. There's a war going on with what you've held to be true. And now here you are wrestling with the diversity of life. And you found out that life doesn't work out the way we imagine. It doesn't always end happily ever after. That's only in fairy tales. Only Disney gets to live out that storyline. You and I have to live in a world of broken dreams and frustrated hopes and sickness and loss and all kind of other chaos that goes on. And yet in the midst of that, God comes to speak one reassuring word. Elijah, it's time for you to get out of this cave because you can't do what I've called you to do where you're at right now. And I've just come to tell somebody, you can't do what God's called you to do where you're at. You're going to have to get up and get out of that cave. You say, well, I don't feel like it. I'm not asking you how you feel. I'm I'm telling you what God's saying. And God's saying the cave isn't going to cut it. You say, well, Hughes, I've kind of gotten used to hiding. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. Some of you, are, you, you hate where you are right now, but you wouldn't tell one person. You wouldn't be honest with, your, with one, your dearest friend because you don't want anybody to know what's really going on inside of you. But God knows. And God said, you can't do what I need you to do where you're at. And that's what God sent me to tell somebody here this morning. Many of you are here today who have been sidelined by the quirks of life. That God still has a work for you to do. And you cannot do it hiding in a cave. It's time for you to come out. You know what I really wanted to do? I wanted to run into church this morning screaming what we used to scream when we were kids. Come out, come out, wherever you are. Amen. Come on. 
God moved this morning in a sovereign way. He's already proved to you that He has not forgotten you. And yet in spite of all of that, some of us are still trying to get back deeper in that dark place when God said it's time to come out of the darkness. It's time to come out of the cave. It's time to get back into the work of God. It's time to put your hand to the plow. It's time to get back in the field. It's time to get a Bible study back out. It's time to reach out to somebody. It's time to love somebody again. Come on and clap your hands to Him right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. You, the state of mind that you're in right now needs to be changed. And that change is, I'm coming out. Amen. I'm coming out. You say, Brother Hughes, you're getting too close to me. I want to get closer than close. I want to get right up in your business this morning because God gave me a word. It's not profound. And there's not three or four cute little points that I can make that you can go home and say, whoa, man, wasn't that cool? What I want you to do is leave here with something shaking on the inside of you. Say, you know what? It's time for you to pull up your bootstraps, get up on your feet, get out of this dark place, and come on. The end of the world has not come. Life has not come to an end. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care how heartbroken I might be. It's time for me to stand up on my feet and say, God, I still believe you've got something for me to do. I still believe there's an anointing on my life. I still believe there's a word for me to to speak. I still believe there's a life for me to influence. I still believe there's something that only I can do for the kingdom of God. And I'm not going to stay in this cave another moment. Get up on your feet right now and give Him praise one more time. Hallelujah. In the name You see, faith is sometimes frustrated when we let temporary things eclipse eternal things. And Elijah had allowed just that to happen. He let the momentary things of his life eclipse the eternal purpose that God had for him. And God had to bring him back in alignment with that eternal purpose and show him that it ain't over. Until God says it's over. Amen. You're not through until God says you're through. You're not washed up. You're not a has-been. Some of you are at a stage in your life to offer things to the kingdom of God that you only dreamed of being able to offer when you were younger. You, weren't, you hadn't lived enough to offer it. There's some young folks I'd like to take them to school one day. And teach them a few things, but you know how youth are. We young people, we just think we have the answer to everything until you live a little while. You know, I used to think my dad was the most ignorant man, unlearned man in the world until I became a father and a man and I found out how wise that ignorant one eyed man was. And so it is with you. Some of you are at a place in life to be more effective now than you've ever been in the kingdom of God. And yet some of you are more frustrated right now than you've ever been in your walk with God. And it's all because of what's happened here and what happens in here 
temporary things that can affect our faith and eclipse the eternal things. And God has to bring us to places like he brought this morning, a divine intersection of my life and him. And God has a way of speaking to me. And his simple message is, what are you doing here in this place when you need to be there in that place? Amen. So it really uses that. And is that God's answer for me to leave this church? I don't know. It might be. I doubt it, but it might be. That's not what I'm preaching. What I'm preaching is that some of you have been sitting back with all kind of talents and abilities and gifts because you've been wounded or hurt or you've been disillusioned by life or preachers or me or saints or whatever. What's quiet in here right now? Am I messing with you this morning? I'm not here to mess with anybody. I'm here to tell you God's word to you is simple. Your life is not over and your ministry is not over and your purpose is not over and God's call on your life is not ended. It's time for you to come out of the cave and get back in the field. Come out of the cave. Come out of hiding. Come on, quit having me have to beg you to pray or beg you to worship. Or come on now, let's let come on. Let's quit having people beg us to serve God or do what we already know to do right. Just get up and know that you know what? God has got his hand on my life, and that I cannot deny. Amen. Lift your hands and praise him with me right now. In the name of Jesus.